Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at bbmglobalnetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to Finding Sanity in Co-Parenting with your host, Laura McMahon. Laura will help you regain your sanity by addressing the three most important areas of co-parenting, communications, scheduling, and finances. In addition, Laura brings her practical stepmom life experience each week and invites experts from the divorce and co-parenting professional ecosystem to share insights and answer listener questions. So please, welcome the host of Finding Sanity in Co-Parenting, Laura McMahon. I'm Laura McMahon. This is Sanity in Co-Parenting by Kin Crew, and we are coming to you live from the Bold Brave Media Network. This week, I'm speaking with Josh, a divorced father of two boys. Uh, Josh and I connected on a um, mutual divorce group that really focuses on positive co-parenting after divorce. And after having a couple of conversations, it just made perfect sense to have Josh come on the show with us. So welcome, Josh. Thanks for coming on. Happy to happy to speak with you and, and your audience about my experience with divorce and co-parenting. Um, I guess background on me is I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I have two young boys, one's 12 and one's 10, and my ex-wife and I got, well, I guess separated about six years ago, and then because we figured out a way to do it amicably, it probably took us about three years to go through the process because neither of us were really that press to move very quickly. So we just took our time and were able to do it for very low cost. And thankfully, we've been able to have a very positive co-parenting relationship ever since. Awesome. Great. So um, I have a couple of questions for you just to get started off here. So um, you and I have spoken a couple of times about the possibility of coming on the show and just the things that you've been through. And obviously, um, I I really think that this story is worth sharing because we're coming at this from the perspective of dealing with really difficult things and turning it into something positive. Um, What 
Pin Crew is really about is changing that stigma that divorce has to be this really horrible thing for the rest of your life. It can, it can be a decent, if not positive relationship. Um, but I know that you have some personal history from your childhood with divorce that gave you kind of some preconceived uh, opinions about what, what you wanted your adult relationships to be like. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was five years old and I don't, uh, I don't have any actually memories of my parents together, nor do I have any memories of my childhood. The first kind of childhood memories I have are when I'm about 13 years old. So is that related to the fact that my, I took uh, the divorce of my parents so it was so traumatic for me? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, my parents were divorced when I was five. I have no memory of them together. We used to, it used to be a week, not even week on, every other weekend I would see my father. And then for one month of the summer, I would see him. But 40 years ago, when, you know, when I, when my parents got divorced, it was a completely different experience for parents and, and especially for fathers and divorcing parents. So I remember in high school, I was one of a very few groups of people with divorced parents. And, um, and my father wasn't really engaged in almost anything I did so that we didn't come to the after school sports. He, we didn't kind of communicate. There was no FaceTime. There was no Skyping. So there was no communication with the other parents when you're with the other parent, which of course is very different than how co-parenting is done these days. And, um, I grew up and I and my mother tells me that one time when I was I was being picked up after a month at my dad's house that I told her in front of my si I have two younger sisters I'm like I am never going to get divorced this is terrible and that was my philosophy of life that was my philosophy of relationships that has really influenced how um yeah I treated my partners in all of my relationships and so um and I I recall on my first date with my going to be wife on the first date, I said to her, I, I will be totally committed and I will never get divorced. And so you can imagine the shock when my worst dream came true and we were going through the divorce process after having two kids and moving across the country. Right. Of course. I, uh, I can imagine that that was both a totally honest, one of those like brutally honest moments that your kids share with you <laughs> um, when they're younger for, for you, but also a totally brutal moment for your mom to hear, because of course now you're, you're in her shoes. And if you heard one of your kids say that to you, you would probably be feeling all of that parental guilt that, <laughs> that comes with the territory. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the things that people always ask me, especially because I live in Calgary and most of my family is in Toronto, they all talk about, well, how are your kids adjusting? How would they adjust? How are they doing? And I, my answer is always the same, which is, I think they're doing great. They seem to adjust. They seem to have just adjusted extremely well. But honestly, we'll find out when they go through relationships and what their marriage is like and what their long-term relationships are like. And then we'll find out how how it really impacted them and really how much therapy their I or they will be paying 
to deal with any hurt that they feel from this. Um, right. You know, and, and for have me... You had... Go ahead. No, and I was going to say, I mean, you, the first question was about uh, the parents' impact. You know, it was only... I mean, I got divorced when I was 45, and um, it was only when I turned 45 that I actually heard the real story of how my parent, what led to my parents getting divorced. And we'll go into that, I suspect, later, but it, it's shockingly similar what happened to my dad and what happened to me. And it's, it was really taken aback. And you know, I've never really seen my father get overly emotional. He's not an emotional guy. I mean, he's 85 years old right now, and he comes from a completely different age of parenting and, and showing emotion. So I, I don't begrudge him for that. But that was probably one of the emotional, most emotional times I've ever seen him when I was telling him what happened uh, to my ex-wife and I and that we were getting a divorce. And I'm sure it brought back incredible feelings of pain to his divorce uh, from my mom. Right. I'm sure, well, I'm sure that it did. Uh, is, that, is that a conversation that you have with your boys? Not, not, the, not the details of why you got divorced, but, you know, how you approach relationships based on what you went through when you were a kid. No, I mean, as I said, my boys are 10 and 12, so I think they're a little young right. to have those conversations. Certainly, we talk about, or I talk about, um, what are what is what are relationships? What is friendship? How do you be a good, how do you be there for your friends? How do you put yourself second sometimes to the needs of your friends? Uh, how do you think about their feelings? Uh, but the biggest thing I work on with my boys, and to be fair, the eldest is fantastic, and the youngest is terrible, is just communication. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, my, yeah. <laughs> my, I, I am divorced because my ex-wife uh, was a poor communicator and wasn't able to articulate her feelings. So that's what I focus on with my boys is communicating. Right, and that, that communication is certainly one of the big key points to uh, a make or break in any kind of relationship, right? Um, okay, so I definitely want, we had a little bit of a teaser of kind of like what led to the divorce there, and we're going to get into that, but first we have to take a really quick break. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes, and when we're back, we'll, we'll get into the why and the how of how that all came about. Dr. R.C. will share right. extraordinary resources and services that promote educational success, as well as making a difference in the lives of all social workers, as well as the lives of children, adolescents, and teens of today. She will have open discussions addressing many of the issues that we face about our youth and how being employed in the uniquely skilled profession of social work for over 18 years has taught invaluable lessons through her personal experiences. She will also provide real-life facts, examples, and personal stories that will confirm that why serving as a child advocate is extremely beneficial when addressing the needs of the whole child. Listen live to Dare to Soar, Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network. Network and tune in radio as Dr. RC will provide thought provoking information that will empower, encourage, and strengthen students, families, and communities across our nation. You can also visit her at soarwithkatie.com. 
Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folkstyle Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the BBC. BBM Global Network. Are back with Sanity and Co-Parenting by Kin Crew. I'm Laura McMahon, and this evening I'm speaking with Josh, who is a divorced father of two, and uh, he is um, sharing his personal story with us this evening, which is not just his own divorce story, but his parents' divorce story, because Josh, as you were saying before the break, there is some um, some kind of surprising symmetry there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, both my both myself and my father were blindsided by our partners. So in my, I'll start with my father. In my father's case, uh, we are Jewish, and my mother and father were both born Jewish and brought up in Jewish homes. And my mother decided to convert out of Judaism, which is a pretty rare, unheard of thing. But for my father, um, that was um, that was a non-negotiable that he was going to be Jewish. And so one day he came home and he found my mother praying to a different to a different God. And so that was absolutely crushing to him. There would have been no discussions about my mother losing her Jewish faith or that she was interested in pursuing a different faith. And so that was, yeah, that was crushing for him. My mother, my mother asked, well, let's just work it out and we can raise the kids to have both religions. And that was just a complete non-starter for my father. And so that, um, that was the end of that, of the relationship. And so. They went off and, and their, their divorce was amicable and really what, considering now that I know 45 years later what actually happened, it was pretty amazing how my, how my parents, uh, were able to be amicable given the pain that my father, my father suffered. And so that was, that's an example that I take to heart when I, as I go through this and as I, you know, yeah, as I went through this experience, they I never saw them fighting. They never put us in the middle of their of their arguments. I'm sure there were some. You know, the only thing that the only thing that we ever were as communicating, you know, the vehicle of communication was back in the day there was no e transfers or of money. So uh mom would ask me, Oh, can you ask your dad for the for the support checks and the child or the alimony checks and child support checks? And we would be, right. we would go to dad and say, mom needs her checks. And so we would be the couriers of the checks. But other than that, there was really no animosity. And that's a kudos to my father and kudos to my mother to be an example. And that's what I'm trying to exemplify with my kids. 
So when you were that day that you told your mom, you know, this is terrible and I'm never going to do this in in my adult life, what was it exactly just the, the schedule of it all that, that you hated so much? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really remember. Like I said, I don't really have any memories of my childhood, but um, from what my mom tells me, I just left my dad's house ever having spent a month at his house and now we're off to her house. And I think it, it was probably the going back and forth and, you know, not really having friends because you're living in two worlds. Um, and so I suspect it was it was just that, I don't know, trying to live two lives. Like, I, I, I don't really know what what led to that, what led to that, but I certainly, my mom kept, reminds me of that and I certainly have had that in my mind as I've been in relationships in my adult life. Right, of course. I mean, we, you know, I'm speaking to my own stepkids, and um, actually my stepdaughter was on the show uh, a few weeks ago. Um, She shared that some of the things that really stunk the most about the situation was feeling, you know, kind of unsettled, like as soon as you get into into a groove in one place you're switching over to another and um that really leads to kind of not feeling totally grounded in your space and so that you know definitely uh transition times are something that we're all quite sensitive of um especially in the community where we met i can see how there's a lot of conversations about how to handle transition days well uh so that it's less stressful for everyone and Mm. Um, it makes perfect sense that that kind of statement would come from a child right in the middle of a transition moment. Um, so what is your, what is your custody set up now? How do you have your children 50% of the time, all the time? How, how does that work? Yeah, so we are, we're a 50, 50, uh, we switch Sunday afternoons and that has Basically, that's been what we've done right from the get-go. So when we first uh, separated, we did four months of, I think it's nesting is the word. I can't remember if that's the right word. But um, the boy, the boys stayed in the house, and we rented a condo. And one week I would live in the condo, and then the next week she'd live in the condo. And then I'd go back to the condo, and she'd... And so one person would be in the house, but for four months the boys had the... Uh, continuity of living in the house all the time. And then I ended up keeping the matrimonial house. She bought her own house. And four months later, the boys were now going back and forth between houses. The other unique thing that we do that is also, I I guess is unique, is that we, the clothes and the sporting goods and the bikes and the hockey skates and everything goes back and forth. So the only thing that the boys have at each house, I think, is toothbrushes and bathing suits. Other than that, everything goes back and forth because I just, both of us agreed that having two of everything at either house is a ridiculous um, and very expensive proposition. And so we agreed that we are going to share everything. And so the boys go back and forth with their luggage. The boys go back and forth with their stuffies and, again, all the equipment. And we also agreed, and I actually got this from my father, 
we have a joint credit card, if you can believe it. So any any expense, we don't, in Canada, I guess I think they're called Section 7 expenses. So we don't argue about that. We may talk about, okay, well, we're going to sign the boys up for this, or we're going to sign them up for that. And we just use a joint credit card. The credit card bill comes to me. I send a text saying, you owe $200 on this day. And, she, you know, we've only, I mean, it's now been three years, and we've only missed a payment once and had interest accrue. So, and that was just a mistiming of days because you lost the text. But, yeah, so wow, we, really yeah, so we, yeah, so we, and a lot of my divorce friends are like, that's crazy. How can you trust her? I said, well, that was never a problem. Like, we uh, we agreed on that, on money and uh we agreed right, on money right. right from the get-go, and so we've never had a problem. Wow, that's, um, that's really impressive. Okay, so just based on all of that information, I have a whole, I have a whole bunch of questions for you. Um, sure. But unfortunately, we have to uh, take another quick break here. So when we come back, um, I'm going to dig into a few more of those details and just understand how it works, and then... Um, I have a few a few more questions about how you guys came to have such a good working relationship. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Stay tuned. The opiate epidemic has reached crisis levels. And with so many families affected by addiction, opiate-related drug overdoses and death, the time is now to have a real constructive conversation about addiction that could lead to better prevention, treatment, and recovery. Alan Charles, author and keynote speaker on drug abuse and prevention, presents The Alan Charles Show. Alan brings a message of hope, sharing his unbelievable story of surviving a 24-year addiction to cocaine and highlights from his memoir, Walking Out the Other Side, an addict's journey from loneliness to life. His raw honesty and courageous heart breaks the stigma of addiction and offers a unique perspective into the mind of an addict. Join Alan each week as he brings his listeners to a true understanding of the grip of addiction. It is only with this understanding that we can begin to heal. The Alan Charles Show, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network. Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folk Style Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the B. BBM Global Network. Sanity and co-parenting by Kin Crew. I'm Laura McMahon, and this evening I am speaking with Josh, a divorced father of two boys. And um, as I said earlier in the show, Josh and I connected through uh, a group that we're both members of that focuses on positive co-parenting. And Josh, it really sounds like you and your co-parent are doing an excellent job pulling that off successfully. So first of all, congratulations on that, because it's not an easy thing. (laughs) 
Um, but now I definitely want to pick your brain on some of the details that you just shared with us in the last segment. So, um, first of all, uh, you said that you did the, the nesting thing for four months, which is when the kids stay put and the parents switch off. And I'm just curious, was that, was that always your plan to do that for a short period of time until you figured out permanent living situation or were you genuinely giving that a shot as a, a possibility for a longer term setup? No, it was my ex-wife's idea uh, in a let's try living apart and see if that works better for us to give her space. And in my desire to do anything I could to try and save the marriage, I agreed wholeheartedly, okay, whatever it's going to take, whatever it's going to take for you to, you know, find yourself and come to terms and come back to the marriage, whatever it's going to take. And so she came up with this idea. She found the condo to rent. But the first time leaving the house with my duffel bag worth of clothes and go moving to this apartment, which was furnished, was absolutely brutal. Uh, because this is what I absolutely never wanted in my life. And now my worst dream, my worst fear is coming through. And it was, it was horrible. And unfortunately, probably two weeks into our nesting, I come, I, it was my week at the house. I pick up the phone and there is a mortgage broker saying, you've been approved to buy a house. So that was kind of one of the moments where I realized this isn't really a short-term thing. She's looking for this to be the long-term. And so that was, a, that was a tough moment, but we kept pushing through and I kept being optimistic that maybe it could all work out. And of course, in the end, it didn't. Right. Um, well, I guess that's all perspective, right? Because so I believe you are, you are newly engaged. Is that, is that right? Yes. Yes. Well, congratulations on that, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So I, I'm going to rewind back um, again. And so you said that you really didn't see the point in having multiples of everything that the kids own. Um, and so you actually do like a luggage transfer pretty much every single time that you switch. So how is that working for you? Because I have to be honest. Uh, we are constantly a little less now that my, my stepkids are, are older, but um, we were constantly doing the back and forth because someone forgot something. And when there's four of them, that's a lot of back and forth because of the, I forgot my stuff. <laughs> right. So my ex-wife and I, we live um, less than a mile apart. Okay. So that. That's so, a big difference. <laughs> yeah. So the so the I forgot this at mom's, I forgot this at dad's, which is pretty rare to be honest. Um, it doesn't happen very often. But really it it purely came down to economics. It just makes it makes no sense why you would especially with like how how kids grow and how expensive clothes is, why do you need to have two sets of everything? And the other philosophy that that I guess I have, and I, I probably, you know, convinced my ex-wife to do this, is the stuff that we buy for the kids, it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to her. It belongs to them. So 
So when a Christmas present comes, when a Hanukkah present comes, when a birthday present comes, it's their present. It's their piece of whatever. So if they want to take it to mom's and leave it at mom's and I bought it for them, okay, it's your thing. It's not mine. I've gifted it to you. And so that's happened quite a bit. Things I buy ends up at mom's house. It doesn't come back. Uh, we used to buy, we used to and still often do buy birthday presents and holiday presents together. So my ex-wife and I will, what should we get them? And we'll buy, you know, a larger ticket item together. And sometimes it goes back and forth and often it doesn't go back and forth. But I don't, I don't get hung up on the fact that, but I paid half of that. Why is it never coming to buy my house? Because I I let go of of the fact that I paid for it because it's their gift and if they want it to be at mom's then they choose to let it be at mom's and I I have other worries in my life that's not something that I get hung up on that well no I but I paid half so you should be spending issue spending half the time at my house and that's the oh, way we've I, just yeah I love yeah. that yeah I think that that's the mistake that gets made really often and I think. I think it, it's a mistake that gets made often in relationships that are higher conflict than yours. And it, and that is telling because it ends up being so much more about the relationship that you have with your co-parent than respecting the kid's space and choices and belongings. And I, I think that you would probably agree with me with, I know that we're we're in the same group online, but that there's so many we see so many people complaining about um, about the items that go back and forth or or don't go back and forth, and that philosophy seems to just create so much conflict when it really doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and and, pe- and parents keep track of well, I paid for this, and you have to pay for this, and I paid for this, and you paid for this, and that just doesn't help um yeah it it becomes competitive and that's not productive right and look i grew as i said i grew up with divorced parents my sisters and i absolutely played our parents oh dad's taking us to florida okay mom's taking us to california oh dad's taking us to disney world okay mom's taking us to disneyland and we used to go and maybe it's because i grew up and i did that as a kid that I'm not gonna, I don't want to allow my kids to be able to pull that on me. That, that maybe that forms how I've decided to co-parent. And so far, uh, it's worked out. Now, are there things that my ex-wife takes the kids to do that I wish I was the, I was the one that I was taking them to this for the first time? Like, who's the first one that's gonna take them to Disney World? You know, or some other big amusement park? Well, yeah, that's, will I be upset? Sure. But at the end of the day, they are having this very positive experience and whether they do it with their dad or whether they do it with their mom, um, they will have a great experience and that's what I choose to focus on. And, and how do I manage to do that is because I put their feelings first in everything I do. It is not, I, I say this to anyone, any divorce, anyone going through divorce, anyone I I talk to, it is incredibly difficult to put your kids first and to really do that and to suck up your pride and suck up your money and suck up your dreams of how you think it was going to go, how you think your life was going to go and put your kids first. But that, to me, that is the only way to survive this and to 
I guess, produce well-balanced kids who are going to have positive relationships for their, in their future life. Yeah. And I, well, so one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is mental health for the parents, because if you're in a really bad place personally, you're not going to be the best that you can be for your children. Right. I mean, that's, that's just the case. And it sounds like you have both developed uh, methods that work really well to keep that, uh, you know, like keep the conflict low, which creates obviously a better (laughs) mental health space. But what do you do personally to make sure that you're, you're always able to remember to put the kids first? I mean, we talked a little bit about, obviously you've been, you experienced divorce as a child, so you have that perspective. Um, but now as an adult, it's, it's different, right? Like there's a lot going on and there are feelings, whether no matter how good your intentions are. So what are you doing for yourself to stay yeah, in that so place? I would say a lot of the traditional things. I did, I did individual therapy for a long time, and men certainly should not be ashamed uh, to go seek counsel and have someone to talk to. Certainly that's not stereotypically the thing that men are great talkers, but we need to talk about it. We need to get uh, expert advice. We need to t- talk to your buddies who are divorced about what they're doing. I've certainly had a couple friends call me like, Josh, you seem to have done well. What did you do? And I'm, I'll be their coach and happy to do that. Um, the website that we're part of, you know, that has tremendous resources within it, uh, podcasts like yours, podcasts like the group that were, you know, on Facebook, they had podcasts. And you just, the more you learn and the more you hear about other people's stories and how they deal with it. And then, of course, there's self-care and making sure that you're getting your workouts in, you're eating properly, um, and and be cautious when you start dating again. I mean, I remember when it first happened, a friend of mine said, don't date for a year. You're not going to be ready. And of course, you know, I'm like, whatever. And of course, I didn't listen. So three months later, I'm in a relationship. And I, looking back, I wasn't ready at all to be dating. It's a miracle that this woman put up with me. Um, And so, yeah, I would focus on yourself and take the time and think about, think about what your what the future of your kids are going to be what the future of your relationship is going to be because regardless of why your regardless of why your marriage ends if you have kids you are going to be seeing your partner for the next 40 or 50 years you'll be going to all kinds of celebrations you'll hopefully have grandkids so you need to have some relationship with your ex-wife and hopefully it's a it's a reasonable one that you can be in the same room. And even if she ripped your heart out or he ripped your heart out, you've got to figure out a way to maybe if you're not forgive them for sure, but at least come to terms with it because you're, you cannot push them out of your life forever because they will be part of it. And the animosity that's between the two of you will absolutely impact your children and absolutely impact those happy moments for them. And you don't want, oh, my God, my, I can't put my mom and my dad at this table. And they have to be on the opposite sides of the rooms uh, because that just becomes so much, so difficult for your children. So I often think about I often think about 10, 15 years down the road 
and I think about the pain and suffering that I go through and I went through for those first three first three years, and I just banked on the fact that all this pain that I suffer now is going to lead to so much happiness for my kids 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, that I'll take the pain now for them to be happy decades from now. That's such a good way of putting it. I, I, when we um, interviewed a collaborative law attorney um, on the show, uh, he said the usually the first thing that he says to his clients are, the goal here is that eventually you will both be able to attend your child's wedding and the child will not have any stress about you both being there on one of the happiest days of their lives. Like that, that is your long-term goal. And I think that that reminder is really powerful. And I love how you said that you banked on it because we talk about, it sounds a little cliche maybe because of how many times people have heard us say this, but we talk about a lot playing the long game. Like don't give in to the heat of the moment remember what your long-term goals are and it's got to be your happiness and your kids' happiness and even your ex's happiness because all of that will pay off eventually. So um, I just, I, I love what you said and um, I, I definitely, I'm also going to take a quick opportunity to just plug um, the website that we've both been mentioning a few times here, which is, um, it was created by Brandy Weichel um, and the website is thenewfamily.com and the Facebook group that we're both a part of is called Positive Co-Parenting After Divorce. And actually, <laughs> a little a little plug for next week. Um, I'm I am interviewing interviewing Brandy uh, on the show next week, so we'll we'll get the whole lowdown on how that was all created and um, everything <laughs> that's going on behind that. Um, so. That, uh, that's all really awesome, Josh. I, I appreciate your perspective on that. It's really powerful. And we're going to go to a quick break. But when we come back, um, we're going to talk about maybe some of the, the bigger learning moments that you had in this whole process. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folk Style Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the BBM Global Network. 
The opiate epidemic has reached crisis levels, and with so many families affected by addiction, opiate-related drug overdoses, and death, the time is now to have a real constructive conversation about addiction that could lead to better prevention, treatment, and recovery. Alan Charles, author and keynote speaker on drug abuse and prevention, presents The Alan Charles Show. Alan brings a message of hope, sharing his unbelievable story of surviving a 24-year addiction to cocaine and highlights from his memoir, Walking Out the Other Side, an addict's journey from loneliness to life. His raw honesty and courageous heart breaks the stigma of addiction and offers a unique perspective into the mind of an addict. Join Alan each week as he brings his listeners to a true understanding of the grip of addiction. It is only with this understanding that we can begin to heal. The Alan Charles Show, Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on the BBM Global Network. We're back with Sanity and Co-Parenting by Kin Crew. I'm Laura McMahon, and this evening, Josh and I have been chatting about how to have a positive co-parenting relationship and what worked really well for Josh and his family. Um, so while it sounds like you guys really have it all together, I know for a fact that nobody has nailed this right out of the gate. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask what are some of the mistakes that you feel like you've made um, just learning how to, how to do this the best way possible. I think the, this is incredibly difficult to do, incredibly difficult. But you have to forget why 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 you're why you're in this divorce situation in the first place because if you keep going back and you keep if you can't let go of why the divorce happened you can't uh get to a place where you can actually be a positive co-parent and so personally i spent a lot of time working on accepting my ex-wife's choice to leave and working on forgiving her for making that choice and like I've said, and just focusing on what is best for the boys is, is the pain I feel and the actions I want to take going to help or hinder the boys' future. So as, as a, you know, as an example, you can lash out and post stuff on Facebook and post stuff here and there and send emails to family that are completely derogatory, uh, to her and, um, but I, but as I wrote those emails and I had them all written and they were all set to go, just before I hit send, I would ask myself, um, is this helping the boys long term? And I would end up hitting the X because the answer, the answer was no. And so certainly I did things at the very beginning that uh, were negative and lashing out. And um, in the end, I realized that, and I ended up apologizing for things like, um, forgetting boy stuff on purpose or uh, being angry with her or, you know, because we were nesting, as, as we talked about earlier, I'd leave the house messy. Well, that's your payback, which is, you know, is so childish. Um, but I would do that as my way of lashing out. And then in the end, I grew up a little bit and, and stopped doing that. You know, the, the most recently, the things that, um, you know, where our, where our, co-parenting has faltered and we talked about earlier is just communication you know what happens at mom's house is not exactly the way things happens at dad's house 
and sometimes the boys get confused about the various rules, and so I'd be like, what does mom let you do? Oh, well, you can't do that here. <laughs> and so, you know, you just, and you, um, you don't want to put them in the middle. It's like, okay, well, you know, different places, different rules. And so, and I, I would talk to her about that, but not in an accusatory way. I'm like, oh, well, here's how I'm doing it in my house. What do you think? Oh, and typically she would come back and say, oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we'll do it your way. And, you know, some of it was bedtime oriented. Some of it was chores oriented. Uh, one of the things that I've done at my house is cooking. And so the boys are forced to cook one night a week. And she was like, why are you doing that? I'm like, well, you know, they're 10 and 12. It's time to start learning. And so that's something that she took into her house as well. So there haven't been, to be fair, there haven't been too many since you put my spot of where I've, I think I've really lashed out. But certainly in the beginning, you know, childish, stupid stuff like, you know, not changing the sheets and uh, leaving dishes in the, di- in the sink just to purely, you know, be a douchebag. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, that that's reasonable, but also impressive. And I have to say, I am I am so impressed that it just became really clear to you quickly that that might be momentary satisfaction, but apart from that, not so much, right? Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are moments where you're so angry, you just want to lash out. Um, and you, it, it takes tremendous, tremendous, uh, I don't even self-aware, tremendous self-control to stop yourself. Because in this day and age, those posts that you put out there, the emails you send, it's not like the old days. Oh, sorry, you know, sorry for calling you, you know, at three in the morning. Now you're sending these emails when you're, you know, when you're not mentally, uh, I guess coherent or too drunk to know what you're really doing, and those those things last forever. And so right. it doesn't go uh, away. Yeah. Right. So those moments and those those can cause lasting damage for sure to the co-parenting relationship, but could also be something that you know, God forbid, your kids could eventually see, and that's just not something um, that you want. That you know, I want to put my kids in that place. Right. Of course, we have. Um, I came across one the 555 rule and I just really love it which is when you're having a bad moment you have to ask yourself is this going to matter in five days is this going to matter in five months is this going to matter in five years and if the answer is no then it then it doesn't actually really matter so (laughs) it's kind of it's like apply that to the situation and then decide you know how you're going to react and are you reacting appropriately or are you reacting emotionally and, and having that long-term view of it doesn't just impact you, it could impact your kids as well. And, and also, um, is this something that I'm going to be really embarrassed about later? Those are really great reminders to help people move towards that long-term goal. Yeah, I've I've heard your five 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 in your earlier podcast, and I think that's I think that's awesome. I I think the challenge is it's hard when your co-parent is not following those rules and is not um, is maybe a bit narcissistic or is trying to exert pressure on you as if you were still married. It's very difficult um, to to do that, and you just have to be stronger really than your ex and just 
put just do your five 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 rule, or in my case, do the two decade rule. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and again, it's it's. I I would say to any divorced parent, it is not. It's not easy, and you really have to suck it up a lot. But you know, to your example, it will it will produce long term. In my view, it will produce long term dividends for your kids. And my both my boys play uh, baseball. This past weekend, both of them, one had two games on Saturday, one had two games on Sunday. My ex-wife and I sat together. Uh, we were talking throughout. The kids both came over. They go from one lap to the other lap. And we look around, well, at least I look around, and I see divorced parents that not only can't even talk to each other, they can't even be within, like, one's on the stands and one's sitting near the dugout. And there were probably three examples of, co- of divorced parents that were like that. And I just looked and said, you know, the, the, sacrifices, the sacrifices that it takes to be able to sit beside your ex-wife even when there's still, you know, there was so much pain, this experience is better for the kids. And so that's my, I guess that's my lasting advice for, for parents is to think about what's in it for the kids and your 555 rule or my, my 20 year rule um, is what I, is what I think about. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And I do, I do feel some jealousy with that. I mean, I've seen, um, probably one really incredible example in my own community of parents who were able to still do that, you know, the joint birthday parties and the standing together on the sidelines of games. And um, it just seems like, yes, it might be hard to get there, like you've said, but it just seems so worth it because there's so much less tension and stress and all of the other things that are going on behind the scenes when you're, when you're able to pull something like that off. So yeah. um, my next question for you is, is your, does your ex have a new partner? Great question. Uh, I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. It's, it's one of the interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote a note here, um, which I'll come back to your question. It's, when when you start dating again, the relationship with you when, that you have with your ex-wife has a huge impact on on the relationship you're going you're going into, and so I've I've lost relationships because the partner the new partner I was with could not understand how I could be friendly with my ex-wife, how you could sit together. At, at baseball games where the relationship she had with her ex-husband was so terrible and so difficult um, and she just couldn't adjust to it. And that was one of the core reasons um, why we, why we broke up. So I have my counsel to, you know, anyone going into a new relationship after divorce is that, you know, that is going to be one of the huge uh, impacts is what is a relationship with their ex-partner what is the relationship with your ex-partner because you're really getting into a relationship almost of four uh, because there's so if you're if you're truly doing a positive co-parent and you're putting your kids first the other parent is going to be in your life forever and so will their partner and so I'm lucky that my fiance is very accepting of the relationship supports the relationship um, and is you know my ex wife is now sending my fiance 
meeting requests for all the boys' baseball games. So she, it's in her calendar, it's in my calendar that we know when the boys are playing. And I do vice, I mean, as far as I know, my ex-wife isn't dating anyone right now, but I would have to do the same thing uh, with whatever her, with whomever her partner is going to be whenever that comes. Yeah, I mean, you've um, you've done a really good job all evening of answering my questions before I can even ask them. Okay. <laughs> because I was going to say, so you, you know, you're not sure about, about your ex-wife, but you have a new partner. And I can imagine that, um, I mean, let's just be honest, the situation that you have going is certainly unique. And that maybe means that it's a unique person who can come in and and be totally comfortable with it so I'm I'm sure that that's quite a bit of a learning curve for her in the beginning yes yeah so um I think similar to you if I remember your uh podcast uh right my partner doesn't have children and so and nor can nor can she have children and so she is adopting my two boys in the sense of being a fantastic bonus mom for them. And so she, she's just as active. She goes to all the baseball games, picks them up from school, helps them with homework, helps them with lunches, helps them when they've had hard days. So that's what happens at my house. And so on one hand, I'm lucky because she doesn't have, um, she doesn't have children. So we haven't had to do the blended family. We all, her ex-husband, that was before we got together. They'd been divorced for seven years. That relationship isn't, there is no relationship there. So I've been lucky that I haven't had to, uh, or we haven't had to deal with that um, blending of families. But she has been absolutely fantastic uh, with the boys and accepting of the relationship with my ex-wife. And really, she tells me that that's one of the reasons why she fell in love with me. Because anyone who is so emotionally aware to want to build long-term, um, strong, emotionally strong boys, um, that's someone that she wants to be with. And so I obviously didn't choose how I act based on, you know, getting my second wife, but um, it sounds like that was one of the reasons why she's, she's chosen to be with me. That That's awesome. And I, I definitely... Um... I'm definitely impressed by that whole scenario and and how everyone's handled it. And um, it sounds like it kind of comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning when I asked you, you know, what, what are you trying to instill in your boys, which is just simply have really good communication in all of your relationships. And so that's obviously something that both you and even, you know, your ex-wife now, maybe not, Maybe not when when everything was was going down, but uh, now you guys are doing a fantastic job of communicating, and you've done a really good job of communicating with your new partner, and that's even opened up communication between your ex and your new partner, which just makes that whole family unit still able to be called a family without awkwardness, right? And that's just mm-hmm. the best thing ever for your kids. Yeah, and just to, just to tell a tell a very very funny story. So this Christmas we were going to do Christmas at my house, and my fiance said, "Well, why don't we invite uh, your ex and her boyfriend because her boyfriend has two kids, 
and we'll have the four of them over to our house for Christmas dinner. And I'm like, you really want to do that? Like, do you really want to have my ex-wife and her boyfriend at our house for dinner? Absolutely. It'd be great. I think it's great for the relationship. It's great for the boys. And it would be great for the boys. But I thought, how awkward is that going to be to have her come back to the house that, you know, we were married in? And so she convinced me to do it. And I said, okay. So I phoned my ex-wife. And unfortunately, I think six hours before, uh, the guy, her boyfriend had broken up with her. And so she starts crying to me on the phone about how oh, he had no. dumped her just before Christmas. Of course, that's terrible. And I said, whoa, well, okay, well, you're still invited. You can come by yourself. And so I get off the phone and I tell, I tell Michelle and she's like, you invited her on her own? I said, well, yeah. Like, okay. So that became a little bit more awkward. But yeah, we had Christmas dinner together and the boys had a great time and we played card games after dinner. And it just, to me, it was the culmination of a ton of hard work that I could actually sit, have dinner uh, with her and at the time my girlfriend and have this very enjoyable night. Don't get me wrong, it was very awkward at moments. But it was great, and the kids loved it. So back to the philosophy of, you know, planning for 20 years down the road, I could totally imagine the boys, whether they're getting married or having kids, that we're all there together and celebrating together. And um, that's 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 a goal for everyone. I hope when it comes to when it comes to divorce, that you can you, it, you can't imagine. I couldn't imagine it three years ago when she walked out, but. Three years later, here we were sitting at the dinner table, and it was great. That's that is awesome. I'm sure, I'm sure there were some awkward moments, but it's also, um, it's also when you think about what you want your kids to remember about their childhood, they're so going to remember the fun card games with everybody in the same room way longer than they're going to remember that like sort of awkward comment that got made or <laughs> or that awkward silence at the dinner table. It's, Mm-hmm. Um, those, those are the things that really matter. That, that's really just fantastic. Um, all right, Josh. So what, what have we missed here? I mean, any, you've had so many wise moments, um, on the show so far. I feel like we have all kinds of quotable material here, um, that I really hope that people will take to heart, but any, any kind of like last words of wisdom, any pieces of advice that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I, I don't think we've talked about it, but I guess I would reiterate it uh, as we con- as my concluding thought, which is regardless of what led to the divorce, um, your kids are, how you act is going to impact your kids. It's going to impact them negatively or it's going to impact them positively. And my advice to anyone is to choose the positive path. Choose the path that is going to lead to your kids having successful relationships 20 years, 20 years down the road. The, pain, the pleasure you feel by getting them back or knifing them or screwing them or giving them pain, that feeling is, lasts for an instance, but the pain for your kids could last forever. And could impact their relationships. So I, to your point of the 555 rule, I think that's a great way of putting it. 
do that before you want to take an action which you know is going to cause your ex-partner pain, but is going to cause you so much pleasure to see them in pain. Just take that pause um, to think about your kids and imagine what their future is going to be because you've, ta- because you've been selfish and taken and taken that moment to try and deliver the pain to your, ex- to your ex-wife or ex-husband. That would be my concluding thought, and that's advice I give to my friends who are getting divorced because it's it's brutal. It's you like you you don't walk down the aisle thinking you're gonna get thinking you're gonna get divorced. You think this is gonna be forever, and right, so that right. that would be my advice. Awesome, that's the most perfect way to end that I can think of. <laughs> so, um, so thank you. So so much, Josh, for coming on. I really appreciate your time and sharing your personal story. I think this is probably one of the most inspiring and um, hopefully motivating conversations that we've had on the show. And I just really appreciate your time tonight. Happy to happy to do it. All right, great. Well, just for anyone who uh, was listening and wanted to join a really great Facebook community. Um, of people who are working really hard to be positive uh, after divorce. That group is called Positive Co-Parenting After Divorce. And like I said, next week I will be speaking with Brandy Weichel, who is the creator of that, and getting her perspective on, on all of this as well. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Have a great night. This has been Finding Sanity in Co-Parenting with host Laura McMahon. Listen each week as Laura helps you eliminate potential conflicts by giving you the tools and knowledge to reduce stress and focus on what's best for you and your child's well-being. So tune in each week and become a better co-parent with Laura McMahon's Finding Sanity in Co-Parenting. been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.